So we are looking at Psalm 128 today. <clears throat> it is a part of what, we're call, what we call the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 120 to 134 form this little section of the Psalms that we think pilgrims sang as they walked towards Jerusalem on pilgrimage. This is something that they would do several times a year uh, in conjunction with several set festival times. And so we assume that they would sing through these songs as they walked, as they journeyed together. And uh, Psalm 128 is the one that we're looking at today. So I would like to ask Dave uh, to read it for us. I'm going to invite you, after Dave reads, just to call out your like first impressions, your like honest gut level thoughts. All right. So as you're listening, just consider how you how your gut responds when you hear these words. All right, Dave, go for it. Psalm 128. Sorry, that Dave. This Dave. <laughs> the Dave with the mic. Thanks, Dave Zimmerman. You're like, oh, uh, no one asked me. Yeah. You know, Dave, all Daves are not you. Okay, <laughs> so. Oh. Just read the Bible. Just, Dave. <laughs> just, just read the Bible. <laughs> Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots round your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. Thank you, Dave. Strilchuk. All right, gut level response. No response is wrong unless it's dishonest. So just throw it there. How, how do you respond? How do you feel? Give me some emotive words. How about that? Because I'll be sharing my feelings with you in a moment, so you're allowed. It sounds as though anybody who doesn't care about God is tossed away. So it's very kind of black and white like this. Blessing here. Discarded by God over there. Yep. It sounds like an internet scam. It sounds like an internet scam? Say more about that. So much prosperity and awesome. Oh, I see. Join up and right. You can have this too. Right. Wait, there's more. Yeah. Right. Sounds like it's too good to be true, kind of. Okay. I understand what you're saying. Right. A little bit too simple, a little bit too kind of like a scam. Okay. Rhonda. All who are blessed are men. Good point. Rhonda. So, like, you felt, like, thankful, grateful. Very nice. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes, Branka. Uh, you'd like to change fear to love. Interesting. Yes, I understand that. Uh-huh. Yeah, you got hung up. You're hung up on the fruitful vine. Yeah, mm-hmm. Fair enough. Alicia? What does obedience mean? Uh huh. Is there room for an oops? Great responses. Lynn? I go, really? Uh huh. What? 
wishful thinking. Yeah. Anyone else? Any in any other responses? Very transactional. Do this, get this. Yes. Dina, did you have something? What about single people? Uh huh. I'm glad you brought that up. Ken, welcome, by the way. Nice to have you. What about the nasty stuff that happens to those who do hear? What about the nasty stuff that happens to, oh, right, right, right. Right. And yet someone still dies, traffic still happens. Right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Maria, did you want to say something? No, I saw you waving. Hi. <laughs> Anyone else? Yes. It makes you feel full. Say more about that. Ah. Okay, like grateful. Okay, right, fullness. You too, Linda? Yeah, sense of fullness and just goodness, the goodness of God. Uh, Dave and then Elizabeth. Dave. <laughs> this day. Uh, um, it's, it's interesting to me because there's this, this transition between four and five where it's like, if you do this, this will happen, do this, this will happen, and five's kind of like, maybe. Hasn't happened yet. This is good stuff, you guys. You're all heretics, but it's really good. No, just kidding. Um, Elizabeth. The generational blessing. Yes. Yeah. The, the, one, the Lord is the one who provides the blessing. Yes. Yes. So good. Shelly. And then Linda. Speaking out of gratitude. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Linda? Yeah, yeah, future blessing. Yeah. So good. You guys all, like, I don't even need to preach my sermon now because you've, you've picked up on all these little things that, I, that I'm going to bring out. So thank you so much for your insightful and honest uh, responses. So... Um, I will, I will give you my honest response, my emotional response. Uh, the reason that I picked this psalm was because I found it so irritating. <laughs> True confessions. That's where I began. That's not where we're going to end up, so don't worry. You're not going to leave, hopefully, feeling discouraged. But my initial reaction was irritation uh, because of the sexist language and imagery. A fruitful vine, like, really? Uh, so, irritation. And then, actually, I, I started going to shame because I'm so aware in, um, in my life how, how my non-Instagrammable moments in life are, are just not this picture. Like, my, my kids don't often, don't, they don't feel like olive shoots around my table all the time. I don't feel like a particularly fruitful vine 
Um, and it reminded me of that feeling that, that I had on occasion this summer. Um, I had a wonderful summer vacation, have had a wonderful uh, time this summer, but I noticed that every time I went on to Instagram, my, my nice time didn't seem as nice as the time that, that everyone else was having, so I just needed to stop doing that because there's this overly idealized thing that happens, and, and the psalm kind of fit into that for me. Uh, and then, maybe it was just a particularly bad day, I went from irritation to shame to kind of a bit of despair, actually, because of the way that this sort of transactional um, kind of scam-ish, like this plus this equals this. And the psalm seems to suggest that getting God's blessing is a form- formula that you follow, right? Fear, pl- fear of the Lord plus following his ways equals fruitful vine, olive shoots. And and that's that formula, as much as I have wanted that formula to be true, I, I, the, the equals, it didn't, hasn't worked for me. And maybe 10 years ago, I would have been able to read the psalm to say, oh yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Like, you, you do this, plus this, and you'll get this. Um, but when you live enough life, and when you experience pain and, and disappointment, and, and realize your own shortcomings, and how, how much you need God's grace, um, I realize, anyways, that, that that formula doesn't doesn't work for me, and so uh, then I was starting to feel really like unhappy after reading the psalm. And then the message translation, um, what is the what verse is it a translation of? It's a translation of verse two. So the NIV says, "You will eat the fruit of your labor; blessings and prosperity will be yours." And the message version is, you worked hard and you deserve all you've got coming. And I was like, oh, I worked hard and I don't, I don't like, I don't, I don't know what I have to show for all this hard work. And, and is that grace, really? Like we work hard in order to deserve all that we've got coming? So all of that, from me, reading a few verses in the Bible, is enough to make me want to go, okay, where's Psalm 23? Because I get that one. Um, but that's, that's my honest response. We don't stay there, but it's okay for us to begin there. A better response, which is my next response after being honest with God about my feelings, is to take a breath, to engage with curiosity the feelings that I have, and then to start looking again at that scripture and to start backing up the lens a little bit to see what else is going on, not just in that psalm, but in the wider scope of scripture. So instead of moving on to a psalm that I like more, that I resonate with more, I try to stay with that text a little while longer with God's help and with my brain that works just fine to try and consider what it is that God might have to say to me and to us through this psalm. So the title for this sermon today is uh, Psalm 128, A Foretaste of the Kingdom, Not a Formula. So you may remember way back in June when I began uh, this series, I gave you a, a bookmark 
perhaps some of you still have that bookmark, so some, a few hints as to how to read the Psalms. And so one of the things that I said in that teaching that day and that is on that bookmark is this, and it's especially helpful for us today, that in the Psalms we find not promises, but praise amidst highs and lows of life. So some Psalms appear to guarantee a pleasant, trouble-free life if we do certain things. We see a direct cause and effect. But in fact, these Psalms don't promise the world will be a certain way. It's a misunderstanding and an over-literalization of some of these Psalms to infer that God promises to make his believers happy and to live trouble-free lives. The root of my own misunderstanding of this psalm was that my frame was too small. I was just focusing on that one psalm. I needed to see it, and we all need to see it, in a larger context. Context is everything. Not seeing it in context leans to an over-literalization and an over-individualization of this psalm. So what kind of context do we have to consider? Well, the first one is just a cultural context to recognize, okay, this psalm comes as an artifact of a particular culture, one that was patriarchal. And while I might be offended by that, that's just, that was the currency of that time, of that day. It, it was a way of understanding God's blessing, but just one way, one example, not every example. This is a picture of the good life, of God's blessing, of God's fullness, but it's not the only one. And we trust that God's goodness, God's um, blessing, includes single people, includes people who are not able to have children, includes divorced people, includes children who are special needs, children who who are... uh, extra grace required. It includes the experience of of ill health. God's goodness, God's blessing can meet us in all those different situations. And this psalm addresses one part of the goodness, the the fullness, but but is not an example that's all-encompassing. It's it's just one. And, And how do I know that? Well, I know that partly because once we look at the cultural context and acknowledge the the patriarchal context of that time, we can back up and go, oh, remember, Psalm 128 is a part of the Psalm of Ascents, Psalm 120 to 134. And so we can pray Psalm 128, which exalts God's blessing for those who fear, or another way of saying fear is reverence, or love with great respect, those who fear God. So that's Psalm 128. But then we can also remember Psalm 126 and the promise there. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. That also is a part of God's blessing. Or then there's Psalm 130, the cry for help. Help, the bottom has fallen out of my life. That also is a prayer from the Psalms. So we remember that one Psalm, Psalm 128, alongside the other psalms in this series and recognize, oh, each of these psalms is, is a prayer for a particular time in life, for a particular way of, of, of experiencing God or a particular 
cry in response to a life situation. And heck, not just Psalm 120 to 134, all of the Psalms, right? So Psalm 128 is one Psalm, but then we have 149 others to reflect the varied experiences of life in which we find ourselves. So we don't need to over-literalize, over-individualize that one Psalm. We can see it as a part of the experience of life, all of which God can be found in all of which we turn into prayer. Does that make sense? So we have a cultural context. We have a a literary context. So we see that one psalm in the larger book of the book of Psalms. But then we can even widen the camera lens even further to see this one psalm in the whole of the Bible. And what does the Bible have to say about blessing and about what blessing looks like? It says any number of things. Some of my favorite are the foundational words of Jesus that come from the Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5. You want to talk about blessing? This is what blessing looks like when Jesus talks about blessing in the New Testament. Blessed are those, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That also is God's blessing in the midst of mourning, in the midst of the experience of poverty. So we widen the, circ- the, the camera lens even more to understand blessing can look like the fullness and goodness and generational blessing of God exemplified by a wonderful experience of a family meal with a husband and wife and children. And yet that's not the only blessing. And in fact, the blessing can be found in any number of places. And Jesus might say, the message has those verses, blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope. For at the end of your rope, there's more room for God. Blessing. Blessing can look like any number of things. The key to understanding the psalm, I suggest, once we have widened the camera lens enough to consider the cultural context and the literary context is to consider the kingdom context of this psalm. And my reference to the Beatitudes, to Matthew chapter 5, kind of touches on that a little bit. How do I know that this is a psalm about the kingdom? Because of verse 5 in the psalm. What does verse 5 say? May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Now you've heard me talk about Jerusalem in this psalm series. Jerusalem, the city of peace, is one translation of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city of peace. And we're talking, of course, about a geographical place, the place where uh, faithful Jewish pilgrims would travel, the place where God was seen to uniquely dwell because of the temple. But for us as Christians, we understand Jerusalem in in a more metaphorical sense. We're not just talking about that city in the Middle East. Jerusalem is in fact a, a metaphor for the capital city of God's reign, God's kingdom. If God's kingdom had a capital city, its name would be Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city of peace. And so this psalm is a foretaste of the kingdom. 
This psalm is not a formula for how it is that we get what we want from God, but it's a foretaste of the kingdom, a foretaste of restoration, of wholeness, of reconciled relationships, of health, Shalom, a kingdom, uh, a kingdom of shalom looks like, one of the ways it looks is Psalm 128. You may remember Jen Olhauser speaking a few weeks ago on Psalm 130, and she was saying, you know, when times are hard in my life, I imagine, I look ahead to how it'll be when that hard time is over. And so she was talking about the grind right now of Robbie being in school full-time and the demand that that takes on their family. And she was saying how she was imagining when this time is over, the party they're going to have and what the invitations are going to look like and what they're going to do at the party. And so you can even imagine that this psalm might even have a flavor of that, that perhaps, perhaps things aren't going hunky-dory for whoever's writing this psalm. Maybe he is in exile. In fact, it's quite possible that these psalms were formational for the people of God exiled from Jerusalem. And so that's where the may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem comes. We, we haven't arrived yet. It's the now but not yet kingdom, right? You will have these blessings. Your wife will be a fruitful vine. Your children will be olive shoots, which suggests maybe that it's not quite that way yet. And so maybe the psalmist is imagining how good it's going to be when God finally comes and restores his kingdom. You know, when you're sitting with your kids and you're going and they're having a painful time, you, you imagine with them how good it's going to be when the pain is over. How good it's going to be after you go to the dentist and you're cavity is all filled and how much better it's going to feel in your mouth. Or you tell yourself, okay, when, when this hard time is done, how much we're going to celebrate. How good it's going to be for us all to be together and to have that wonderful party. So maybe that psalm is, a, is an expression of hope. It's not a formulaic expression of certainty. Maybe it's an expression of hope. Or maybe it is a celebration of the goodness of God that's right here, right now, that's well-deserved, so to speak, because of the endurance of a hard time before. And so I love the way that some of your responses have pulled those threads together. This is not a formula for getting God's blessing, but it is a recognition that God is good, that God is praiseworthy, that there are always things in our lives to give thanks for. And that even in the midst of the hard times, there might still be a foretaste of the kingdom. There might still be that sense of God's nearness, God's shalom. Characteristics of the kingdom like wholeness, like amendedness, like healing, like comfort for sorrow, healing for those who are sick, a light heart for those who are grieving. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem, says verse 5. It's a prayer that we all might have eyes to see God's kingdom at work here and now. May you see God's kingdom emerging in your life. Peace be upon Israel. Did you notice as well, there's a movement from the individual 
to the communal, right? There's this individual picture of a, a family around a table, but then may peace be upon Israel. God's people, God's blessing is not just for one family who has it all together. God's blessing is for all, for a whole people. And so I invite you now to turn into um, small groups of four or five, however, however many you want to be, not too large, just so that you can make sure that everyone gets a chance to share. And I have two questions for you. Where are you seeing hints of the coming kingdom in your life, in your community, in our church? Hints of the coming kingdom. Now that might sound too kind of airy-fairy for you, but you could even just say, what are you grateful for? What, what are those things that you praise God for that, that where God has shown his goodness to you, either in recent times or one of those touchstones for you? A hint of the coming kingdom in your life experience, in your community, in our community somehow, it, or in our church. And also, that's the first question. The second question is, what places in your life, in our city, in our world, are still in need of God's wholeness? What are the places that, that you long to see God's kingdom at work? And maybe you can't quite see it yet. So two questions. Where are you seeing hints of God's kingdom now? Shalom. And where do you still want to see it? The now but not yet kingdom. So if you want to turn and have that discussion, um, I would invite you to share your answers to both those questions. And then as we gather together, I'm going to invite your responses to that second question, the places in your life, in your city, in our world, still in need of God's wholeness. I'm going to invite you to turn those into corporate prayer, into prayer aloud as we gather back together. Okay, so share your responses to those two questions, and then we'll gather back and pray our responses to the second one. All right, off you go. I'll let you know when it's time to return. <laughs>